my uh, favorite writers was uh, an old Southern Baptist evangelist. His name was Vance Havner, and, and he said famously, he said a lot of things famously, but one of the things he would say is, it's the job of the preacher to disturb the comfortable and to comfort the disturbed. And when I was young and I read that, I thought, oh, that's pretty good. It's the pastor's job to disturb the comfortable, comfort the disturbed. Here's the problem that I've noticed as a pastor over the years is the people that ought to be comforted are disturbed, and the people that ought to be disturbed are comfortable. In other words, some people, they should have, they have a callous conscience. They should be convicted about things, and they're not convicted. And other people are kind of, have an oversensitive conscience, and, they're, and they kind of are, they live in under condemnation. I want to talk to that, I want to talk to you about that today in this message that I've entitled, It's Not a Real Bear. Take your Bible and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and you'll see a bit what I'm talking about here. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verses 9 and 10, Paul is talking about uh, the remorse that a person might have, uh, a sensitivity uh, towards sin. This is in Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter seven and in verse uh, verse nine, he says, "As it is, I rejoice not because you're grieved, but because you are grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief that you suffered no loss through us, for godly grief." produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So without giving you a great deal of context here, let's just say this. There, obviously from reading this, this is what you can see. There's a good kind of grief that has a good result, and there's a bad kind of grief that has a bad result. And that's what we're talking about here in this message that I'm calling It's Not a Real Bear, which I'll explain a little bit later. And that's what I'm talking about. It's possible for a person that ought to feel grief over their sin not to feel grief and not to have the good result of that. And it's possible for a person that, 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 that uh, shouldn't feel grief uh, to, to feel a, a burden of guilt or of condemnation. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 44, who can bring a charge against God's elect? This is the work of the Spirit to convict us. It's, it's really the, it's the tactic of the devil to falsely accuse us after we're, uh, after we're forgiven. As a matter of fact, have, have you heard this? You've, have you heard kind of the devil whisper, whisper in your ear when you were thinking about doing something that was wrong? Oh, go ahead. That's just a little thing, and it doesn't really matter. Have you heard that? You don't want to admit it in church, right? Or, and then as soon as you do that, then he's like, oh, you did not really do that. That is big. That is really bad. You can't even be forgiven for that. He'll, he'll say it's too small to matter until you do it, and then he'll say it's too big to forgive. And why is that? Because he's that way. He is the, the accuser of the brethren. Or he'll say, a little indulgence doesn't really make you a bad person until you are involved in that indulgence. And then he'll say, oh, this fully defines who you are and who you will always be because that's the way he works. So the two major functions of the indwelling Holy Spirit who comes in, lives in every believer, a couple of the major functions, according to, if you studied John 14, 15, and 16, and, and Jesus is getting ready to go away, and he's telling his disciples that he's going to 
send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and he describes some of the things that the Holy Spirit will do. And you remember some of these. Um, without doing a thorough teaching on this, just a little reminder, you know, one of the things he says is the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of what Jesus said. What a powerful work of the Holy Spirit for him to remind us of what Jesus said in a powerful way. But but any, any, the Bible says he's going to be a comforter. He comes alongside to, to comfort us. But there's something else that he does. And this is um, given to us in John chapter 16 and verse 8. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And he convicts believers. So the Holy Spirit lives in us. And one of the things that he does is he comforts us. And one of the things that he does is he reminds us of the things that Jesus said, you know, in a timely way when we need them. And one of the great gifts that he gives to us is he convicts us of sin uh, in our life. Now, how do, we, how do we, if we need to be convicted and we're not, or we need to feel freedom and we don't, how do we decide if what we're feeling is conviction or condemnation? How do you know? How do you know oh, this feeling is good, it's good grief, this feeling is good grief that's going to lead to a good result, or this feeling is bad grief that's going to lead to a bad result. How do you know? Let me give you these four things. Number one, conviction is the gift from the Holy Spirit. We've already established that, John 16, 8. But accusation is a device of the devil. Take your Bibles and look in Revelation chapter 12. This is interesting. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, now war arose in heaven, and Michael and his angels, Revelation 12, 7, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. So this dragon was who? Real clearly identified, by the way, one of the things that Satan, as a little aside, one of the things that Satan wants to do is he wants to convince you that the book of Revelation is impossible to understand. Oh, it's way too hard, it's impossible to understand. That's one of the things he wants to do, convince you that the Bible can't be understood. Because he's a deceiver, Because he's, and along with his deceit, he's an accuser, and that's kind of my point. But in this case, I just wanted to point out that this dragon thing, like you could go, oh, I don't understand the symbols of Revelation. Well, be careful that you read in the near context because often things are decoded in the near context or in the, in the larger context or in the Old Testament, the Bible decodes itself. But that's on the side. The point here is who is this evil one? And verse 9 says, he's the great dragon thrown down, ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, is thrown down to the earth. The angels are thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice, and that's like, amen, amen. Like, I know you just got out of bed, so you don't know when you're supposed to be saying amen. That was the spot. I just thought I was going to tell you there. Yeah, the devil is thrown down and all those angels with him. Amen. That's just kind of good, right? And, and, uh, and, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before the throne of God. So this is a pretty victorious and happy part. He, who is Satan? He's, what's he called here? 
along with the dragon and Satan, he's called the deceiver, but he's also called the accuser of the brethren who accuses us before the throne of God night and day. And one day, he's going to be thrown down. But see, see the contrast here? Here you have the Holy Spirit, the helper, who comes alongside with us. And one of the things he does to help us is he goes, that's not right. That way that you talked to your husband wasn't right. That thought that you had a bitter, angry, ugly, selfish, lustful thought, that greedy thought, that wasn't right. Oh, that's a gift from the Holy Spirit. But, but, but understand, conviction is a gift from the Holy Spirit. But condemnation is a device of the devil. Second thing, conviction is over sin that you haven't dealt with yet. Accusation is over sin that you have dealt with. So once you've recognized sin, confessed it, sought forgiveness, received or claimed the forgiveness that Jesus already paid for, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if somebody's bringing up your past sin that you've already confessed, it's not the Holy Spirit bringing it up against you. Now, he may remind you for a, for a good purpose. For instance, my brother Kevin is a pastor in Ohio now. He was up at Camp Barakel. He took a church in Ohio. My brother Kevin, he, when he was little, he's seven years younger than me, so he was just the right size for me to wreak havoc on him whenever I wanted to. I never did this with, I wasn't ugly about it. I was just sort of a rascal. Is that sinful? I just sort of a rascal. For instance, I remember one particular day, and the Lord brought this back to my mind the other day, is he had come down uh, to the little creek where we were playing, and, and he, he toddled down, just a little toddler. He, to, he had a little, I remember he had a little uh, overalls on that day. It was a spring day, and there was, an, oh, there was a puddle of water, and I said to my brother, hey, Kevin, look, there are fish in the water. And my little brother, my little brother went over real close to look, and then I just pushed him in because that's what you do. That's what little brothers are for. And then he started crying like a girl. I'm like, I don't know what was wrong with that kid. Just crying like a girl. Anyway, uh, anyway I remember him walking home going really cold, all wet, <laughs> crying. I was thinking about that the other day. I thought, man, I was not very nice to him. He, as an adult, he's been very, very good to me. Now, now, when I brought that up, when, when, when that came to my mind, maybe I brought it up myself, maybe the Spirit brought it up, but he didn't bring it up against me. He didn't bring, in other words, so the Spirit can remind us of our past sin that's already forgiven, but it will be in the light of the cross for a purpose that's good. So I'm not saying that all remembering of past sin is bad, because it's not. If you study the Bible carefully, you see in the life of the Apostle Paul that he often would refer to his past sin, but he would never refer to his past sin without a reference to the grace of God. So, in other words, bringing your past sin up, maybe the Spirit would bring your past sin up as a way of displaying the great glory of God's forgiveness, but he won't bring it up against you to condemn you. So, understand, conviction is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is a tactic of the devil. Conviction... Over, is over sin that you've dealt with. Accusation is over sin that um, that you uh, that you have uh, not that you ha- that you have dealt with. Conviction is over sin that you have not dealt with. Condemnation is over sin that you have dealt with. Am I making myself clear? Good. Look in Colossians chapter two and verse fourteen. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that's against us. 
which is contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, nailed it to the cross, disarmed principalities and powers, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is some pretty strong language about what Jesus did on the cross. He took the accusations against us and he took them completely off of our record, completely out of the way. So good news for you, that is, I don't, it doesn't matter how dark your past is. If your sin is under the blood of Christ, it's forgiven, taken out of the way, won't be thrown up against you again won't, before God. It won't be used against you before God. So conviction is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is a device to the devil. Conviction is over sin you haven't dealt with yet. Accusation is over sin that you have dealt with. Third, conviction is for the purpose of redemption. But accusation is for the purpose of condemnation. Like it says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no judgment to come, no damnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Most of us believe that what the Bible teaches is that the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment where our sins will be judged, but a judgment where our works will be judged. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment to come. Why? Because all of our judgment for our sin was put on Jesus on the cross. So this is a powerful truth. So Satan, you know, who is he that condemns you, right? That's from Romans chapter 8. Well, and that's a rhetorical question, but the answer is Satan is the one who tries to condemn people whose sins are already forgiven. That's, so how do you know the difference between conviction and condemnation? One is the work of the Spirit. One is the work of the devil. One is to throw up you know, your sin against you that you've already confessed. And another one, obviously, conviction is over sin we haven't confessed yet. Con- convictions for the purpose of redemption. Accusations for the purpose of condemnation. Number four, conviction draws you to God. Accusation drives you away from God. Condemnation drives you away from God. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.12, and it's repeated, this is repeated in Hebrews too, the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. So you, when you sin as a believer, a spirit may bring that up so that you'll deal with it, but he's bringing it up for you uh, because he loves you. The scriptures say there in 1 John, if we walk in the light, this is going to be a parallel to verse 9 from 1 John 1, 7 and 1 John 1, 9 parallel each other. 1 John 1, 7 says we walk in the light. 1 John 1, 9 says we confess our sin. Walking in the light is living in continual openness about our sin. And he says if we walk in the light, live in continual openness about our sin, then we have fellowship with one another. And the initial reference in verse 7 is us having fellowship with God. But this is true on a human plane as well. To walk in continual confession is the, pur- is the purpose of that is so that we'll have intimacy with God, a sense of intimacy or union, a fellowship with God. And Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's 1 John 1, uh, 7. In Hebrews 10, verse 17, he adds, I will remember their sin and their lawless deeds no more. Imagine that. And then remember them against us. In Micah 7, verse 19, you're familiar with this. He'll again have compassion on us and he'll tread our iniquities underfoot and he'll cast all of our sins into the depth of the sea. And then Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. All throughout the Bible, 
The Bible teaches that God's desire is to take our sin away and forget, you know, to take your darkest memory away, to take your darkest deed away, to not remember it against you anymore, to put it in the depths of the sea, that you that would be removed as far as the east is from the west. But so, so understand, conviction is to draw you to God. It's not to push you away from God. It's not to drive you away from God. But condemnation is to continual, continually drive you away from God or make you feel you know, unworthy or unredeemable. So let conviction do its work because conviction, when you respond to it the way you ought to respond to it, will draw you to God. Years ago, I went to Wheaton College for a conference. And it was a pastor's conference. And so I remember I was a really young pastor. And I went in a van full of other Christian workers. And we drove to, to Chicago there to Wheaton. And, and I, was, I took a notebook because I was going to write down the practical tips. You know, I figured they're going to give us practical ministry tips. I was going to write down these practical ministry tips. But that isn't what happened. What happened is that during the day, one sin after another of my own that I hadn't seen before was exposed. And God just used the men that day that spoke to, in three major areas of my life, just expose areas of my life that I hadn't really been sensitive to the Lord. And I remember that day, I remember just like, I couldn't, I couldn't really, I took notes but it wasn't like, oh, here's a bunch of practical stuff that I'm going to need. It was like, God, it was, I was under heavy conviction. And here's what I, I remember. Like if, I'm, if I went to a conference and I learned a bunch of interesting things, I would want to talk about it. But because of the conviction that was on my heart about these three areas in my life, three really clear areas in my life, I couldn't talk. So if you know me very well, if I can't talk, something really unusual is happening because I'm a verbal guy. I got in the van that day, I remember all the way home, I couldn't even speak because I was under this weight of conviction, because I had seen my sin in a way I had never seen it before. Here's the beauty of it, though. I look back on that day as one of the highlights of my entire life. Some of the sweetest fruit I have ever enjoyed in my life is a direct result of the conviction that the Holy Spirit laid on me that day that silenced me in conviction. My life changed. I repented, and my life changed. And I, every single day of my life, I eat the fruit of that repentance in my life. Every day. The happiest things in my life come directly out of that day. I thank God for that day. I thank God for that day that silenced me with conviction. When was the last time that you were silenced with conviction? That, that, that this Holy Spirit pointed out something in your life. What, what would happen if you were to say, Spirit of God, I freely, eagerly open myself up to you, even though I've been around for a while, and I, I open myself up to you that you would show me my sin, and I will not object. I will not, I'll be silent under the conviction of it, and, and I, God giving me the grace, I will change. This is the right response. And the Bible teaches that. Then we walk in this confession, like I was talking about 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, that we have fellowship and we have cleansing from sin. 
and the scriptures in that passage also say that we have joy. That's been my experience. Has that been your experience? So why would we run from conviction? We, would run, we should run, you know, to conviction. So, so think about it. What should you do when you're convicted? What should you do when you're condemned? Well, when you're convicted, you should confess your sin. Don't minimize it. Don't excuse it. Don't blame others for it. Don't have just remorse. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Forsake it. Replace it. Let God do his work. Be eager to receive that gift of conviction from the Holy Spirit. Be glad that the Holy Spirit works in conviction and never stops as long as we're alive. Be glad for that. Lean into that. Repent. Agree with God. Think about this. If God is pointing out a sin in your life, along with that, it's implied that he's also going to help you replace that with a corresponding virtue. Uh, miraculously in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like it's sanctification. It's just, sanctification is a series of miracles. So when you're convicted, you may be silenced with conviction. You may, be, you may have remorse. You may have grief. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 7. But this is a good grief because it leads to dynamic change that, that can't happen any other way. You want that. You want to thank the Lord for that. Today, you ought to thank the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that every once in a while you tap on my shoulder and you say, was that the right way to talk to your wife? Every once in a while you tap on my shoulder and say, do you think you should go back and make that right with that brother those years ago that you've always been a little stubborn about that? (laughs) Now, what about accusation? What should you do? Maybe you remember my, my grandson came over and my my neighbor had a, cha- a bear in the backyard that was made with a chainsaw. It was a, a bit huge, like nine-foot-tall chainsaw bear. It was sculpture, get it? Like huge. So when my grandson came over, he was a little tiny Kyle, our oldest grandson. He was a little tiny guy, and it was in the, in the chair. And I went out, and I got him out of his seat, and I took him over to see the bear. And he was, he was as we do weird stuff like that with kids, and he was scared. And I would, I would say, it's not real, touch it. And he's like, no, I could touch it, it's not real. I would touch it, say it's not real, he wouldn't touch it. Finally, he reached out, touched it, drew his hand back. You could tell he was scared. I took him in the house. He didn't want to mess with that bear. It scared him. Funny thing happened, the next time he comes over, I go out and I get him, in the, I get him out of the car and I pick him up and I hear him going, it's not a real bear, it's not a real bear, it's not a real bear. <laughs> what was he doing? He was preaching the gospel to himself. He said, not a real bear. It's not, he, why was he saying that? Because he thought it, because he was a little nervous about it. it was a real bear. That's what you do when the devil condemns you. You preach the gospel to yourself. You tell yourself the truth of God. This is where the, this is where the world is off. They see the damaging effect of condemnation. They don't see the bigger picture of the gospel. And you can't, you can't be set free from a sin that you don't confess. When we recognize and acknowledge and confess our sin, flee to the cross, then the gospel is the full and final answer for our condemnation. And therefore, we don't say, no, I haven't sinned. That's the wrong way out of condemnation. We say, yes, we have sinned, but Jesus died for my sin. And then, so in other words, what do you do when you're convicted? Well, you repent and you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to change you. And what do you do when you're condemned? You preach the gospel to yourself. Now, this brings us to a final point, and it's an important one, and that is then, what about when others sin? What about when others sin? 
So think about what I just taught you. You have, you have this uh, truth that, that conviction is a gift from the Holy Spirit that you need and that condemnation is a tactic of the devil that has a bad effect. Conviction is a good effect. Condemnation is a bad effect. What should you do when others, next week we'll talk about that. I have an evangelist friend, and he would go from town to town, and he was in South Africa. And he said when he got to a certain town, they said to him, I, we need to warn you ahead of time, there's this guy, and he comes to the meetings, and he's really weird. He said, he's going to disrupt the meeting. And, the, and so my evangelist said, says, what, is he an unbeliever? He said, no, no, he's a believer. I'm like, well, what, how am I going to know when I see him? Oh, you'll, you'll, he's an old guy with white hair and a really funny beard, and he sits near the front, and he'll, he'll say, okay, what, what does he do? And he, well, here's what he does. He says, well, when you preach, if you mention sin, then he will turn around and he will point to a person and say, it's them. It's him. If you like Dewey, it's Dewey. You know, he'd point at Dewey. Thank you, Dewey, for being my, my uh, illustration today. So the, the preacher would say a sin, and he would turn around and say, it's him. It's him. And, and so if the preacher would mention another sin, he'd turn around to another person and say, it's her. It's him. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't work out too well. That didn't help the meetings very well because it's not your job to convict people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people. But there's a powerful ministry for a believer in this. We'll talk about it next week. We're going to dismiss you now, but I want to pray a blessing on you first. Heavenly Father, thank you for these who've come and gathered in your name today. I pray they would go perhaps convicted, but not condemned, realizing that if they're convicted, there's a way to the cross, there's a way to freedom, there's a way to repentance, there's a way to transformation, there's a way to change. But Lord, I pray that they wouldn't labor under condemnation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.